good place to start this story is 119 Leland Street. It's a house on the south side of Framingham. It's falling apart. The white wood shingles are peeling, starting to curl and green. Many of its windows are smashed. Shards of glass carpet the house's back steps. Tall brambles are starting to grow up near the front door. Trash rings the home. The house has been vacant since 2011. Before it was abandoned, Carrie Lynn Woodsum lived there. Uh, my name is Carrie Lynn Woodsum, and I lived at 119 Leland Street in Framingham for 28 years. Carrie Lynn grew up in the 119 Leland Street house. Uh, my dad had purchased it in 1983, uh, very rundown, and uh, we, you know, he spent a good three, four years getting it back up to speed to be, you know, a truly livable house. What really made him buy the house was how close it was to his work. And he worked at General Motors for 27, 28 years. Carrie Lynn says 119 was a good place to grow up. There were woods around the home, and the neighborhood kids went exploring there. They would ride their bikes and do jumps in a little clearing away from their parents. And through the woods, which is basically a strip of trees, there's a condo complex. It's called Century Estates. Century Estates had a pool. Carrie Lynn had friends who lived in the complex, and in the summer, she'd walk through the woods, pick up a pool pass, and splash the day away. Near that strip of woods was another house, and the family that lived there had farm animals. They had animals. I know they had goats, and they had a llama. The memory that I just had was, you know, so late 80s, and my friend comes bombing into my house. She goes, oh my God, there's a scary animal outside. And so I go into the back porch, and there's this llama. <laughs> there was one neighbor that Carrie Lynn didn't know much about until decades later. That neighbor was General Chemical. It's a company that occupied a one-story brick building surrounded by a chain-link fence. It's a few hundred yards and across a set of train tracks from Carrie Lynn's house. I'm Jeanette Hinkle. You're listening to The Daily News, an occasional podcast where we take a look at stories we're working on in the newsroom. Today's story is prompted by an update about the 119 Leland Street house. It's going to be torn down. But before I get to that, I think it's important to hear the story of Carrie Lynn and why she had to make the painful decision to leave her home at 119 Leland Street. I don't remember my dad really saying what they did. Uh, I can remember them having guard dogs there. You know, walking from my house to the store, you know, sometimes we would see them on the weekends. Uh, but it was just, you know, just another one of the buildings. General Chemical was a hazardous waste treatment, storage, and disposal facility. It essentially closed in 2012. But for decades before it shut its doors, General Chemical was leaking and spilling harmful, cancer-causing chemicals on the site. Nasty stuff like PCE and TCE spread underground from General Chemical, guided by the topography of the bedrock. That spread created what everyone calls the plume, short for plume of contamination. Carrie Lynn started to gain a vague awareness that there was something wrong when General Chemical began buying up the homes around her house from neighbors in the late 90s and early 2000s. The company had offered to buy 119 from her father, too, but it pulled out of the deal at the last minute. When that was happening, Carrie Lynn was just entering adulthood. 
She was busy, and it never occurred to her that the brick building guarded by dogs would have any impact on her. She was thinking about other things. Unfortunately, I was in the bubble of... uh working, starting a career. I had graduated in 1997 with a degree in photography and was working uh, in the photo industry and photographing weddings. I was still interning and stuff. So I was very much focused on my career. Carrie Lynn bought 119 Leland Street from her dad in 2003. She and her husband had been living there with her father, sharing the bills since 1996. She had thought about moving elsewhere but her dad wanted her to buy the house, so she did. I think my dad was just feeling, okay, he's getting a little older. He just wants to make sure that, you know, if anything happened to him, that the house would be in our name. It wasn't just preparing for the worst, though. 119 Leland Street was the Woodson family home. He didn't want to move. He, that was his home. And so we just kind of, my husband and I agreed. We're like, okay, well, we'll see how this goes, and you know, talk about it in the future. Uh, And so we just did a, you know, simple purchase and sales agreement. Carrie Lynn and her husband began building their life in the house. They had a son named Jack. He loved the backyard. There's the aqueduct that uh, runs very much a side of it. And so they can never build or anything there. So it was always just wide open. And he loved playing golf. So we would hit golf balls and yeah, so he, he loved playing in that yard, uh, you know, and he, he did love the house. Carrie Lynn loved the house, too. One of the things I had found the other day was a journal I had made of, you know, my dream house. You know, I had forgot, like, the very beginning was pictures of the house and all the little nooks and crannies that I loved the best. I photographed every part of that house. One of her favorite parts of the home was the kitchen. She renovated it after a water line broke, bringing in some insurance money that made the project possible. We had gotten uh, these nice, nice light wood cabinets and a dark green granite countertop and red walls and white cream uh, ceiling. So yeah, I spent a lot of time and energy decorating and designing this particular kitchen. Things took a sharp turn in 2007. Carrie Lynn's dad got sick in the late summer, and a few months later, in November, he died. She was still deep in mourning a week later when she got a call from her friend. The friend told her that company men from General Chemical were on the local government channel talking about chemical tests at Woodrow Wilson Elementary School, which shares a chain-link fence with General Chemical. I went to the next meeting, which I think was the first or second week in December, Uh, that was at the school. At the meeting, Carrie Lynn learned that chlorinated solvents had been spreading underground from General Chemical. The dangerous chemicals, which cause cancer and other serious health problems, had reached her property. I just remember being kind of in shock and just a lot of emotion. After the meeting, Carrie Lynn went home to the house that she grew up in, the house where she was raising her only child. Um... I am a sensitive, sentimental person, and I just remember coming home from the meeting, I think letting the dog out to the yard and sitting on the back porch steps and just feeling like I just got kicked in the heart and that, okay, I've lost my dad and now all this stuff with the house, you know, it was the feeling like I'm going to lose all this too. I didn't know what 
the future was going to bring. And so it was, I just remember that emotion. It just really, the emptiness or the overwhelmingness of it, again, it's very hard to put into exact words. Carrie Lynn and her family lived in the home for roughly four years after that meeting at Woodrow Wilson. She became ill from the stress. She tried to find out whatever she could about General Chemical and the solvents that had spread to her land, her family's land. Carrie Lynn worked and still works at the Framingham Public Library, which is where the town puts documents related to General Chemical. On her lunch breaks, she would read through the stacks of files, which go back years and years. For us, I knew to, you know, we need to get the information, we need to understand, we need to get a sense of what we can or cannot do. Uh, As much stress and as much different things that it could cause us, we need to know the truth. And we need to understand what our uh, options are. You know, that's just what I ended up having to do. You need to understand... And once I did, I just determined that we couldn't be there. There was the question in the back of my mind, okay, if this is like airborne type things, could that have affected my father? Probably the most likely not, because my father worked at General Motors for 27 years uh, and had been a smoker. So, you know, his probably Lyme disease uh, probably came more from that. But, you know, the question was always there, will always be there. Carrie Lynn can't tell me too much about the years after she learned about the contamination. It's difficult for her emotionally, and she's also bound by a non-disparagement agreement with General Chemical, which she signed after the company finally agreed to buy the home it had contaminated. I got some idea of what happened during that period after the meeting from Carol Boyce, a licensed site professional who started working for Framingham in 2011. I actually went in that basement when I first got here because... What happened was she called, I believe she called the office here. Her basement would flood periodically. So the actual groundwater, contaminated groundwater, which is pretty unusual, but it can happen, came up into her basement. And she was really concerned. And so I went down there on behalf of the city while I was here. And sure enough, there's contaminated groundwater. You can't see it, but, you know, we knew because of where the location was that it could very likely be a problem. And... You know, her washing machine's down there, dryer's down there, she's in the house upstairs, and I took a sample of the water, and it came back with some of the solvents in it. So that's a worst-case situation, absolutely. I asked Carrie Lynn to tell me how she explained what was happening to her son, who was around nine years old when the family was finally able to leave the house. You use just simple words, simple language, but it's not hiding things. So it was like trying not to cause any fear, which you don't want, but also being like, okay, well, you know, this company is coming in, these men are going to come in, and they're just going to test the air, uh, and that, you know, there will be a machine on each floor, a canister, air-collecting canister, and don't touch it. The day Carrie Lynn and her family moved out, she went back to the empty house on her own, without her husband and son. I was like, i got to go back to the house. I gotta go say goodbye. Right now. And I just remember going up the stairs to the second floor to the landing and just starting to cry. And, you know, 
faking the house, you know, and talking uh, to the goddess, to, you know, God, whatever, you know, uh, deity that one talks to when they're mourning. And I think I was there for a good half an hour, hour. And that was so I, you know, I had to do it by myself to say goodbye and to have that emotional moment. Uh, you know, I went all around the house and looked at the different corners. And the one joke is my darling child, when he was three years old, got a hold of my engagement ring, writing ring. I had put it on a dresser and he moved it. And we luckily found the engagement ring, but he probably, we think, flushed the other ring. But I was determined that, no, maybe it's under the carpets. <laughs> So I was like looking and it was, you know, that was more me chuckling at myself like, no, honey, the ring's been gone for six years. You're not going to find it. Uh, So, but yeah, I had to have that emotional moment for me, again, as a sensitive person, sentimental person. And it was rough, but I had to do it. I knew I had to have that catharticism. It's been almost a decade since Carrie Lynn lived at 119 Leland Street. The house is a painful reminder of something that her family hasn't really been able to replicate. We didn't want to move. We kind of had to leave not of our own fruition. And so I think there's still, you know, it took a while to process a lot of things. And so, like, honestly, I try to avoid that area, you know, I don't drive down there that much, but I mean, it's not like I'll totally go out of my way not to go down there, but it's just more like, okay, you see your old house and you know you did all the paint. <laughs> it's also been hard for Jack, Carrie Lynn's son. He's 19 now. I think he still has, you know, some residue um, of missing a home. I, you know, we have, a, we rent a place in Natick now and we have been there for about nine years. And but it's and it's a great place, um, but it's still just a house. And I know him and I have talked about things from the past that he would always love to find uh, a home base for family, which is very interesting to hear from a young man. He must be a really sensitive kid. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a good kid. There's also some anger. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, but I don't really want to get too much into that. I don't want to speak for him. Carolyn Woodson agreed to talk with me for one reason. When I first reached out to her, I told her that I wanted to tell the story of what happened at General Chemical, what is still happening there. I mentioned the term environmental justice. That term made her call me back. Carolyn's house is located in a part of Framingham that has been hurt by industrial pollution more than any other area of the city. It's lower income, and it's now home to many of Framingham's immigrants. Much of Framingham South Side is classified by the state as an environmental justice community. Here's how the state describes the concept of environmental justice. All people have a right to be protected from environmental pollution and to live in and enjoy a clean and healthy environment. Environmental justice is the equal protection and meaningful involvement of all people in the development, implementation, and enforcement of environmental laws and policies. One day, when Carrie Lynn was working at the Framingham Public Library, two teenage boys went up to her. 
you lived on Leland Street. And I was like, how did you know that? <laughs> so it was very surprising. And they said they had wondered about the houses. They told her they lived at Century Estates, the condo complex with the pool that Carrie Lynn used to visit when she was a kid. Now the complex is home to a lot of Brazilian immigrants. The kids told Carrie Lynn that they walked by the abandoned homes all the time. They wanted to know why they were abandoned. They looked up news articles about the homes where she was interviewed, and they recognized her. The kids from Century Estate walking to school go by that property all the time. What do they see? What do they think every day walking by here? You know, environment shapes your awareness. And so it's one thing to see working industry, uh, which I did growing up, uh, but it's another to see that it's like things kind of left behind. The idea of environmental justice, uh, where the people with the money and resources can say, not in my backyard, um, while people who you know, just live where they can might not have those choices. In many ways, the damage has been done on Leland Street. The state was set to begin a partial cleanup of the general chemical site last spring, but that was put on hold when the pandemic struck. Even when the remediation begins, the current plan won't fully clean up the underground pollution seeping into nearby water. A full cleanup would require the state to spend a lot more money, since general chemical won't pay the bill. That's still a good neighborhood. That's still good land. What can we do now? You know, we have the situation. This is how it is. And so it, is it completely going to be no man's land, no go? Or do we develop a conscious environmental way to use the land? Uh, so I think that's, for me, like a next question. No one has answered that question yet. But progress is happening. In the spring, right before the coronavirus hit, the attorney for General Chemical, Raymond Wiss, said the company would pay to tear the contaminated houses down. It hasn't happened yet, but according to the city, it's going too soon. Framingham's Conservation Commission will likely give the last approval needed for demolition on December 16th. According to Wiss, the houses will come down shortly thereafter. You know, I want to be there when it is demolished. I hoping, you know, I'm thinking of reaching out to the company and just being like, hey, can you just let me know when this will be happening? Uh, you know, I'm not going to publish them or anything. It would be purely for me, you know, just to be there. What have, what have you thought about as possible uses, your dream use for your old property? Wildflower field. Uh, <laughs> it's very much the idea of bees. Uh, you know, it's not a garden, not a vegetable garden, definitely nothing like that. Uh, but, you know, just bring it back to nature, woods, and, you know, the idea of, yeah, having a, some sort of big flower garden that could be great for the animals. I have one other piece of good news to share. I recorded this interview with Carrie Lynn shortly before the coronavirus shut down the state of Massachusetts this spring. On Friday, I emailed her to let her know that the houses were finally coming down and that I'd be publishing this podcast. She sent me this response. Sorry I didn't call you yesterday. We bought a house in Worcester, and we were getting the keys. She used two exclamation points. 
Thanks for listening to The Daily News. If you have questions or feedback about this story, I'd love to hear from you. My email is jhinkle at wickedlocal.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Hinkle.